So the Americans are staging a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics. Australia's joined, first, first to follow the Americans' boots and all. Canada and the UK have also joined now. So who next, Mark Harrison? Yeah, so my name is Mark Harrison. I'm from the University of Tasmania. I'm very happy to be talking to Will Glasgow from The Australian, uh, China correspondent based in Taipei. Um, it's a great question. Um, I uh, would say who knows, but I think the country is <laughs> up for uh, the big Scandinavian uh, Winter Olympics powerhouses. I think they'll be having a serious uh, debate as to what their response is uh, to the United yeah. States' actions. Obviously, Canada is the other really big country and their action is very significant. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the, the weeks ahead will be re uh, very telling. I'm wondering, though, I know, Will, because of your, your role as a journalist, you're interested in and you've been tracking some of the processes and some of the, the, the decision-making through which Australia arrived at this action. So what have you heard um, behind the scenes, as it were, as to how we got here? Well, look, I mean, the Biden administration has been telegraphing this move for, for months now and been behind the scenes talking to their allies and partners to try to encourage them along. The Australians were, you know pretty keen to join, join their ally there, but they have learnt a lesson from their call for an independent inquiry into coronavirus last year, which <laughs> they remained bruised from, which is don't go first. So they're waiting for the Americans. Once that decision had been made, then they, uh, the, the Morrison government uh, felt it had the cover to, to go next. They felt pretty confident, I've been told, that the Canadians and the UK would follow, although they weren't sure about that. But, um, you know, as it happened, they thought if they came in after, they would create more space for others to follow, which is exactly what happened. And the other thing that's going on in Australia, of course, is we've got a federal election coming up. And, I mean, China is so unpopular in the Australian electorate after the last two years of, uh, of its, its bullying trade coercion of Australia. So the Morrison government didn't want to be... Uh, on the wrong side of this one or have the Labor Party saying it needed to go further and, you know, have a full diplomatic boycott. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the really interesting aspects of this is the way that the United States government has structured their actions. So they've created this sort of boycott category of the diplomatic boycotts and not the sporting yeah. team. So yeah, have I mean, we had that before, Mark? Um, no, I don't think we have. Uh, the Olympics has been boycotted on a number of occasions over, over the decades, um, obviously most famously in uh, 1980 and 1984 with um, the United yeah. States and the Soviet team. Um, but this uh, idea of a diplomatic boycott, even though it is relatively nominal because of the travel restrictions and the, the quarantining requirements and so on, it does create a, um, a way of uh, governments acting towards the Olympics uh, in, in a way that's symbolic but nonetheless significant without punishing the athletes, of course, who've spent so many years in preparation um, uh, for this moment. I think the, the question that for me is interesting is, you know, the, uh, the Olympics is all about symbolism. This is a symbolic act. Uh, yeah. and, it, and obviously China has responded accordingly. I wonder, though, whether once the games start, um, we'll quickly forget about this once we just start following our national teams. So what do you think as a journalist? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and I know that's sort of the story of uh, the 2008 games uh, in Beijing, but I think this is quite a different beast. I think first up, it's the winter games, not the summer games. So there's already 
less international interest in the sports than there is in, uh, in the winter ones and the, uh, in the summer ones. And the second big change is, I mean, Beijing, China, is so unpopular across much of the world This, this uh, compared to 2008. I mean, it's just extraordinary, the change between them. I, I just can't. They're so prickly in the way they respond to criticism. I can't imagine they could hold this event with this many people with their COVID restrictions and not and not find themselves, you know, the subject of all sorts of media stories, incidents they don't like. And, I mean, how do you think they'll respond? I mean, <laughs> based on their reform I think you're right. I think obviously China is in a very confrontational mode um, in its diplomacy, and we've seen that with the the diplomatic boycott concept and also the, um, the summit for democracy that the Biden administration has launched. Um, and so I think uh, the, the games are arriving at a point where strategic competition and, and China's relations with the world are, are greatly tested and the world is really, other countries are really struggling to know how to respond to China. So yeah, just because of these forces in play, the Olympics can't really contain all of that. And so just uh, with all of that attention, it's going to be very testing for everybody, I think. So yeah, I, I think um, it's not going to be a normal games. That's certainly the case. <laughs> That's right. And I mean, I mean, I know one thing that's in the calendar in late January is the IOC president, Thomas Bach, said he's going to take uh, the tennis player, Peng Shui, the Chinese detained tennis player, Peng Shui, out for dinner. So, I mean, I predict eruptions there. But, um, well, yeah, well, yeah. I, I think I'm that's the case. Lasko from the Australian. Oh, Mark, and this is Mark Harrison from the University of Tasmania. We're signing out. Thanks very much.